Well, hello everyone. This is uh, Data Driven Formula One with Patrick Hansen Gana Pagrebna. Hi, Patrick. Hello, Gana. Hello, Hi, everybody. Everyone. Yeah, so today we're talking about one of my favorite drivers, Emerson yeah. Fittipaldi. <laughs> exactly. I think a uh, favorite for a lot of Formula One fans. Yes, uh, and uh, again, so we don't uh, usually get uh, so lucky to discuss people who are still alive, but in this case, yep. we are lucky. Uh, he's still around, so which is good. Yeah, luckily, as we are advancing uh, through the time, uh, I think we will have this uh, more and uh, more luckily, even if if we speak about other uh, heroes of the 1970s, uh, unfortunately, a lot of them uh, already died uh, over the time, uh, some in uh, in the races and some, well, after. Well, I mean, uh, Emerson Fittipaldi is uh, obviously an iconic figure, but uh, he also was racing at a very dangerous time at Lotus. So, yes. uh, so we, we have talked about Jürgen Rindt and uh, his tragic death in 1970. And... Uh, Emerson Fittipaldi actually replaced uh, Jürgen yes. Rindt uh, as number one yes. at Lotus team uh, in 1970. So this is uh, like, uh, this was the hottest seat in town uh, at the time and the most dangerous. Uh, so, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, we of course all appreciate the cool opportunity to race in Formula One. And uh, with Patrick, we will discuss that he, it was a long journey for him to get into Formula One. But uh, when he got there, he was the youngest driver, the youngest number, number one driver um, in the sport. And uh, yeah, for 30, years. yeah, for 33 years, he uh, kept uh, this uh, uh, title of youngest champion. So, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, anyway, he's absolutely amazing uh, exactly. figure. And today we will discuss uh, Emerson Fittipaldi. Exactly. So, uh, also another uh, cool thing is uh, I had to um, have finally speaking with one of the many famous Brazilian uh, drivers because uh, I had the opportunity uh, to visit the country several times and just traveling uh, through the different uh, areas. And uh, something I've learned uh, is the Brazilian uh, tradition of uh, storytelling. Uh, something I like to point out here because uh, at the end, this is something what we also try here in this uh, podcast. We take the different uh, data, the information we have, and uh, hopefully have a more or less interesting uh, story uh, making our point. So uh, if you think, uh, if you go back uh, some centuries ago into colonial uh, Brazil, we had uh, storytellers. Uh, moving from a little village uh, to village. Uh, here on the right, you may see some how it is may have looked back in time. Uh, this is from the state of Minas uh, Gerais, where we still find uh, some of these uh, beautiful uh, conserved uh, colonial cities. I think this is called uh, Tiadensis. Uh, and uh, developed uh, from this uh, tradition of the traveling uh, storytellers uh, had been uh, the famous uh, Brazilian uh, telenovelas, which the first one aired 1951 and had been exported to many other uh, places. So maybe you uh, saw some on uh, TV or not. 
And uh, as mentioned, I like uh, to um, align this with the idea, with today's concept of data storytelling. So here I have a quote from Beth Stackpole from the MIT Management Sloan School. She said, while interpretations vary, most experts describe data storytelling as the ability to convey data, not just in numbers or charts, but as a narrative that humans can comprehend. If you want people to make the right decision with data, you have to get in their head in a way they understand. And this is something which, uh, of course, we'd also try here in the podcast. We have the data uh, from somebody's life. We have the race, this, uh, the race results, and we like to combine the different data sets, the sets of information to produce uh, knowledge uh, and, and interpret, uh, let's say, what we observed. Like in our example, how we observe uh, uh, Amazon Fittipaldi. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're watching us uh, on YouTube, uh, you can also see uh, some photos uh, that Patrick made in Brazil. So very characteristic, really cool. Uh, exactly. Uh, Brazil, of course, practically is like a whole, uh, has the size of a continent. So you find the, the typical Brazilian cliches like carnival beaches, but you find also like this colonial heritages, especially a little bit more inside the countries as in the state of Minas Gerais. Mm -hmm. So with this, we're coming uh, back to uh, Amazon or officially Amazon Wojciechowska Fittipaldi who is now a semi-retired uh, racing diver who won uh, both uh, Formula One and also uh, the Indianapolis uh, 500 uh, twice. Yeah, so he had two wins in Formula One. He had two wins in uh, Indianapolis and one uh, Carter championship win. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so very, very, very cool career. Uh, so we will actually discuss the turns and twists of this career as we yes. go along. But uh, in formula, yeah, a lot of twists indeed, and uh, some comebacks when he was kind of racing in all champions uh, races in two thousands. Uh, like uh, yeah, so in, in in a couple of races we will actually talk about this as well. But um, yeah, if we just take um, Formula One, uh, he won two championships. Um, and uh, I think uh, for he, he still remains uh, in the history of sport as uh, one of the uh, most prominent Brazilian drivers. Of course, yeah. we had others that we will talk about, but uh, uh, yeah, Emerson Fittipaldi was absolutely brilliant. And uh, um, as you can see, he, um, uh, he he comes from a really mixed background. Uh, so mm. he's, uh, you can tell this by the name because uh, Wojciechowska is obviously a Polish name and Fittipaldi yeah. is Italian name. So his dad was um, was Brazilian, yeah, Brazilian Italian, and his mom was uh, Polish Russian descent. So he has like really mixed uh, roots, um, and yeah. uh, uh, he was named uh, yeah after Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was uh, an American philosopher. 
And uh, I have to tell you a personal story. So my son almost got named Emerson. <laughs> you don't know of Emerson Fittipaldi <laughs> because my ex-husband and I were both fans of Emerson Fittipaldi, but <laughs> my son has a different name. So <laughs> because like out of all names, we decided that you should have a unique name, but almost, almost uh, it became this close <laughs> yeah. yeah and you also uh, I mean uh, Fittipaldi uh, today is like a, a racing family and we will come to this uh, later uh, also uh, Emerson and his brother have been practically the second uh, generation as both of his parents already uh, had been uh, racing um, even more uh, his uh, father uh, established after the second world war the first Mil Millas uh, race in uh, Sao Paulo, which uh, of course had been inspired by the uh, Italian uh, Mille Miglia, so the thousand uh, miles of Brazil, Mil Millas, the Portuguese uh, um, translation. So a big uh, racing dynasty. Yeah, and in fact, uh, you know, the whole family is really engaged in racing, and we will see. So we will talk about this after we discuss Emerson Fittipaldi's life. We will actually look at the, the whole family. So the, yeah, so it was. It's hard to find the person that wasn't involved in some way yes. in racing. But um, I mean, um, Emerson Fittipaldi. Well, he strikes me personally as this absolutely amazing talent. I mean, yeah. he just uh, had. Um, so, not you can say a, a rare combination of luck and skill and talent yeah. uh, that not many people in the sport enjoyed and mm -hmm. uh, also he tried uh, tried things so you cannot really call this guy indecisive so remember if you remember when we discussed Bruce McLaren so Bruce McLaren was this really weighted weighted person because he stayed uh, uh, with the same team for seven years before he had his own team and so so it was quite a, like all the decisions are very kind of risk averse and weighted I mean uh, you will see that Emerson Fittipaldi is completely different guy <laughs> and uh, he can make sudden moves and sometimes the sudden moves are not very well explained but uh, you know at the same time it's cool that he kind of has this um, quite adventurous uh, nature and character and um, you know it, it's uh, yeah it kind of makes him less predictable and uh, um, uh, really a figure that you want to constantly look at and uh, uh, study in a sense yeah so that's that's really true so let's uh analyze a little bit of his uh, earlier age. Uh, so as I already mentioned, uh, we have the Mil Millas uh, Brasileiros. It's a sports car endurance uh, race, which is annually held uh, since 1956, uh, also known as the 1000 miles from Brazil, inspired by the Mil Millas. Oh, and this was uh, organized um, uh, originally by his uh, father, uh, and another colleague, Elo uh, Giuliano, a motorcycle driver, and also he was president of the Centauro Motor Club. 
And uh, this is the idea to demonstrate the quality of automotive products uh, manufactured uh, inside uh, Brazil. And we have uh, various uh, big uh, automobile uh, factories, automotive factories, sorry, inside the country. Uh, one of them is uh, Volkswagen, which has been uh, quite near to the Fittibaldis. And on the other hand, uh, we have a big uh, factory by uh, Fiat. And I think uh, in the meantime, also we have production by Mercedes-Benz. So uh, there are a lot of, of uh, under, uh, I think also General Motors, so they are uh, it's a big uh, automotive industry inside the country. And this was practically uh, the field where they should uh, show the quality of the products. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I also want to mention before we go into Milunas, that um, you know he's um, to, uh, yeah uh, so essentially uh, not only uh, obviously Emerson was really interested in racing for this reason uh, yeah. but also he was uh, uh, as far as I remember with his brother Wilson they were doing some uh, hydro planning Exactly. And, uh, and uh, we probably would be talking about a great uh, Hydroplan uh, champion uh, at the moment, yeah. but uh, when he was 16, there was uh, a, quite a big uh, incident with his brother Wilson. Basically, he was uh, riding this uh, Hydroplan and he uh, fell upside down, so he had quite a bad uh, bad accident and after that they somehow decided that they need to stick to dry land racing <laughs> and, and uh, as a result we have motorsport champion and uh, yeah but uh, actually you know he also was doing motorcycling I believe uh, so he was really a kid that was interested in a broad range of racing uh, experiences uh, and uh, uh, like we, um, with Patrick, we discussed quite a few figures uh, in, in, mm -hmm. in, in the series. Uh, and uh, uh, so it, it's kind of two types of, I think we kind of encounter two types of uh, people. Uh, one type is the type where, you know, parents are very supportive of uh, these types mm -hmm. of hobbies, create opportunities. And the second possibility when you have... Uh, a person coming from a completely different background, a kind of struggling to get into yeah. the sport, and uh, but has a lot of passion. So um, in that sense, Emerson Fittipaldi was really lucky and his family was really supportive of his hobbies. And yeah. uh, obviously because everyone in the family was so mad about racing he was also trying <laughs> everything that 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 could move i'd say yeah. <laughs> and everything that had competitions he was in in those competitions yeah. that, that's right uh, if you are on uh, youtube you see here on the right uh, a photo of a hydroplane so the, this is the type of boats we are talking about uh, this is not uh, the fittipaldi boat i found it just here to show you as an example so that uh, you know what uh, we are talking about. Uh, I mm -hmm. agree, uh, right, uh, he also did the motorcycling, uh, but at the end he went to four wheels. Uh, for example, uh, they both the, uh, win, uh, won the 1967 uh, six hour of Interlagos in a Volkswagen Kaman Gia. Uh, and 
again, if you're on YouTube, uh, you see here a photo of the car, uh, not uh, pretty much known. Um, this uh, Camangia um, was also produced locally uh, in Brazil. So not only in, um, in um, I'm not sure it was produced as in Germany or Italy, as, as of course it's a cooperation between Volkswagen and the Italian uh, Chia. So a very small production we had here also inside Brazil. So uh, mm -hmm. quite a local car. And uh, he stayed with, uh, with Volkswagen the next uh, years as the two brothers moved to, to race Formula V, which is a, a youngster formula. Uh, normally before you are entering uh, Formula 3 or whatever. So it's practically the most cheapest uh, way uh, to start in a, in a, in a single-seater uh, championship. And here you see uh, the 1968 uh, Formula V, again, it's not the Fittipaldi car, but uh, pretty much uh, this is as the car should have uh, looked. So you see it's a, it's a, a single seater, uh, you, but using uh, some um, uh, production parts, which you also would have found uh, at the original Beetle at that time. So. The wheels, for example, pretty much uh, look like the, the Volkswagen and also other parts which have been less visible. Of course, the engine uh, had been part of the uh, mass uh, production uh, Beetle at that time. Right, and um, so um, um, we, uh, we discuss, uh, as we discuss the history of Formula One, we kind of also try to, to um, indicate uh, some uh, interesting markers and uh, here for me the the cool marker is that uh, um, Emerson Fittipaldi together with uh, some of uh, other Formula One champions and uh, mm -hmm. uh, prominent drivers like Nicky Lauda, Keke Rosberg, Nelson Piquet, they all uh, raced as Formula E and um, um, here we see this tendency now to actually go from uh, lower formulas into Formula One, because before, before that we haven't discussed many drivers that actually had that opportunity to kind of gradually grow into Formula One. But uh, if we take Emerson Fittipaldi, he raced Formula Three, Formula Two, and only then he got a chance uh, um, as a third driver uh, in Lotus team. So um, uh, this is an important change that happened around uh, 1970s uh, when, you know, yep. we have actually drivers who, um, um, uh, who trained uh, in kind of in, in, form, in lower formulas before they went uh, to drive for Formula One. So yes. he really worked hard to get uh, his place in Formula One. Right, and then this is, a, I mean, practically this would be the normal way. And I remember uh, the Formula uh, Volkswagen, as it was called in uh, Germany, is quite popular as the entry level. Then uh, you would go to Formula uh, BMW or BMW. And only after this, you start with Formula 3, Formula 2. And then, of course, the big uh, goal is to enter Formula 1. Mm -hmm. And um, we have to say that Emerson Fittipaldi was um, amazingly successful in uh, both Formula 3 and Formula 2. He, he was uh, winning races. Uh, he was uh, 
basically um, really uh, easy to spot a guy. Exactly. And uh, yeah. for that reason, yeah. he made it to Formula One at a very early <laughs> age. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's say uh, one step back from Formula Two. Uh, I like <clears throat> to present you the, this project from the uh, Fittipaldi brothers back from 1969. Uh, again, the family very close to the Mil Millas uh, race. Uh, so they wanted to participate, uh, Emerson and uh, Wilson. And important, they wanted uh, to participate with a local car. And so that's why they've chosen uh, this Beetle. Uh, it's a little bit less known as when we think about the Beetle production, of course, first of all, we think to Germany and after this uh, Puebla uh, in Mexico, but also in Brazil had been produced more than 3 million of this car originally from 1959 to 85 and then have been a longer gap and the Brazilian government spoke with Volkswagen to please bring back the Beetle to have a car, a cheap and a robust car and that's why in 93 Volkswagen started again producing the Beetle and the production stayed in place until 96. So a very local uh, Brazilian car, uh, the Beetle, at least for uh, Brazilian. In fact, uh, um, uh, people made a little bit fun of this uh, idea because it looked a little bit more than a racing, uh, a big racing helmet uh, instead of a racing car. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, the two had been uh, very successful. They uh, qualified in, uh, with the third fastest time. First one had been a NASA Brazilian driver, Carlos Passe, using an Alfa Romeo 33. And second, Sidney Cardoso with uh, one of the famous Ford GT40. And after this, already the uh, Fittipaldi brothers. And also inside the race, uh, they stayed uh, the first hour uh, on the third position. But unfortunately, after this, had a technical problem and had to drop off the race. But Nevertheless, a very interesting uh, concept. If you are in um, Paso Fundo in the south of Brazil, in the state of Rio Grande, you can visit this car in the Museo do Automobilismo Brasileiro, uh, as you see the contact information on their website. Yeah, so like I said uh, before, I mean, Emerson Fittipaldi like, strikes me as a person who basically tried everything, everything that moves, <laughs> he tried to race. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. And important here, they made uh, the connection with one of the main sponsors, Bardal uh, Company from, this, from Seattle, uh, US. And with Bardal, um, they also entered uh, Formula 2 because they're not first, they're not... Uh, joined the official Lotus team, but uh, Semiworks team uh, sponsored by the Badal company. Exactly. And um, yeah, he was uh, basically, again, uh, he was uh, very, um, uh, so he was very good at Formula 2, got spotted uh, by, yeah. um, by Lotus and uh, eventually basically became the third driver in, uh, in uh, Lotus as a result of his uh, performance. Yeah, correctly. So in, because also in 1970s, 
uh, he would be mainly in Formula Two, but in parallel, as you've mentioned, had been the third driver also sometimes in uh, Formula One in the uh, Lotus team. Yeah, and um, like we said before, uh, when uh, we had the tragic uh, accident uh, with Jürgen Rindt, uh, um, basically there was uh, the, we we discussed this before. Uh, John Miles also left the team, so the team was actually in ruins, we can say. And uh, yeah. um, at that stage, um, um, Colin Chapman basically made the decision to put this really young guy into the first uh, seat as a first driver. And yeah, um, yeah it uh, it paid off. Uh, uh, it paid I, I don't know if it was if it was. Uh, I mean, pretty much of a decision, or was the only uh, solution as he maybe he was the only driver available. I mean, difficult to say so many. Well, I mean, uh, they had the Graham Hill, right? Uh, but obviously, he was injured. Uh, Uh, yeah. uh, the year before, so they couldn't quite uh, put him uh, in the first. Yes. Although, like uh, technically speaking, he was the most experienced uh, guy. So I guess uh, I guess the decision was uh, just to give the, yeah, this really young guy a chance. And uh, we have to say that he used his chance because he <laughs> very shortly became a champion. Exactly. So uh, quite the opposite uh, to uh, the similar problem in the 1960s, uh, where uh, Graham Hill had the task to keep the team together. So there they had the experienced uh, driver and now uh, something very similar was done by the young driver, by Emerson Fittibaldi, keeping Lotus uh, as a team together and uh, bringing them back uh, to success. Yeah. Quite so fast. yeah. So so this is uh, again uh, a, a very uh, characteristic thing of Emerson Fittipaldi. I mean, he uh, well, you can say that he quite opportunistically kind of uh, took uh, the chances, but um, when I think it's it's very difficult in that situation to kind of keep you cool and uh, actually yeah. say, well, you know what. Uh, I want to take my chances here, considering, you know, the lack of reliability of Lotus cars. We discussed a lot. Uh, we discussed this problem a lot with, uh, with Patrick before. So you can actually see our episode about Colin Chapman and about Jürgen Rindt when we discuss how, un like, actually unreliable these cars were. And uh, to, you know, for a young person to say, you know what, I I want to give it a shot, uh, despite all the fatalities that surrounded Lotus team at the time. Um, yeah. I mean, he really appreciated the innovative thinking of Colin Chapman and uh, yeah. the innovative uh, thinking of the team. And uh, he, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have a person like that uh, because um, otherwise there would be no Lotus as we know it, right? So it, it, yeah. uh, the team would have existed in some other form. And uh, it's great yeah. that, you know, uh, uh, Emerson Fittipaldi was there at, at, at that time. Yeah, and it seems he had a better um, relation with Colin Chapman in comparison to Jochen Rindt uh, or Ronnie Patterson, who have been very critical uh, to him. I not found any, any negative words uh, from uh, Fiti uh, from uh, Fittibaldi about Colin Chapman. Quite the opposite. 
Yes, uh, but that uh, again um, uh, we already discussed that some uh, sometimes you would do quite impulsive things, yeah. right? And we, we will see this later in his career. And um, I think this uh, impulsivity had balanced really well with uh, the impulsivity of yeah. uh, of Colin Chapman because Colin Chapman obviously wanted to make uh, the cars faster by making them lighter which is not always uh, um, a good idea for reliability as we saw from experience yeah. of lotus team but at the same time you know it's uh, yeah so i think uh, i think it's just uh, obviously the desire to be in the sport uh, together with understanding that yes it is a fast it is a it is a fast game and um, also perhaps uh, despite the young age i mean all these uh, previous experiences where you know he was in dangerous situation you know the taking this hydroplane situation and other situations uh, that we discussed in, in in his previous experiences with uh, motor racing and motorcycle racing he appreciated that okay you know yet in a sense tomorrow we all could be dead but you know i want to live my life to the fullest and uh, you know if this is this requires being fast and taking yeah. chances then i will do it right so that's that's the kind of person we're talking about here yes exactly <clears throat> yeah but nevertheless uh, uh, Baldi, uh left uh, lotus to sign uh, with uh, mclaren yeah uh, also as he saw i think better opportunities uh, with winning on the long run and uh, maybe also uh, uh, the offered salary had been uh, more interesting to him yeah i think it's uh, not only that there was an interest but um, also we, we discussed again uh, with patrick in previous episodes mm -hmm. have a look <laughs> um so we uh, we talked uh, about how basically the death of uh, jürgen rind we can we can say that this was uh, the start of a decline of, of lotus in a sense well of course there was still quite prominent team in the 70s but yeah. um, McLaren uh, in 1974 was this young up-and-coming team and they had very interesting engineering thoughts and I think uh, Colin Chapman by that time was already quite kind of tired you know mm -hmm. <laughs> you know of uh, um, of racing and so, so I think it's just uh, uh, the dynamics and the potential to develop was a lot higher in McLaren and uh, yeah. this is why Merson Fittipaldi took that chance and uh, naturally you know it's a little bit also um, it, uh, it was a little bit of a um, you, you know you kind of had to grow to go to McLaren yes. so because you couldn't as a rookie do that because they had Danny Hume uh, and uh, um you know they just lo have lost bruce mclaren so it there were a lot of uh, um circumstances surrounding this move uh, but uh, obviously i I, th I personally think uh, uh kind of after reading a lot of uh, stuff about emerson fittipaldi that he primarily did it because the spirit uh, in, in mclaren and uh, you know the team spirit was a lot more positive a lot better and a lot more um uh sort of allowing him to develop so he saw the potential more potential in mclaren than than in in, in uh, lotus yep 
uh, understanding uh, move also as they had the ideas, they had the vision, and they had, of course, uh, also some quite big companies as uh, sponsors uh, with uh, Texaco and Madero. So they also had the uh, the, the budget uh, to realize their vision and uh, quite logical uh, move uh, to go to McLaren if you have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I mean, uh, this uh, this hire really paid off uh, for McLaren, right? Because uh, he, he became a champion the second time with McLaren. Uh, yes. So, uh, you know, this is uh, this is absolutely amazing. But more amazing is that uh, mid-season <laughs> racing for McLaren the next year, he yeah. decided to quit and go and support his brother. And um, in in yeah. a in a separate Fittipaldi team, and basically this was a big shock to not only to fans but to everyone in the sport. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was uh, mainly to support his brother. Uh, it seems that uh, Emerson also always had uh, really liked not only being inside the car but also being responsible for the team itself. I mean, they did the. Uh, uh, the project together with the uh, twin engine uh, Beetle. Uh, so they already had experience having their old team. And it seems this is a role that uh, Emerson also always uh, liked besides being uh, uh, the driver. And uh, also later he had in the uh, US card series, the uh, Fittibaldi team. So this seems that he always liked uh, this role too. So, uh, and maybe another factor is that uh, he is of course, as a Brazilian, uh, or as many Brazilians, quite patriotic. So uh, he liked the vision, as we also saw uh, at the, in the beginning of 1960s, to have one uh, national Brazilian team, Brazilian drivers, Brazilian cars, Brazilian sponsor. Yeah, so I um, just want to say that, yeah, of course, I mean, when he initially moved, uh, he moved as a driver to, to, to this uh, uh, to, to this new team. Uh, and uh, he basically failed to score, uh, you know, yeah. so, so the car wasn't uh, good enough in a sense. And uh, only then when he uh, kind of couldn't perform as a, dri as a driver, he decided to help with management yeah. because he probably saw that there is a, maybe there is, a, he could be more useful to the team uh, that way. But um yeah, I mean, of course, it was like a family business. Yeah, so yeah, but this is this is what I what I yeah like yeah. I personally think that it was mm -hmm. quite an impulsive thing. But on the other hand, you know, you, you I, I think when you are two times uh, world champion with different teams, you probably have nothing to lose, and you are thinking, you know, that's yeah. <laughs> so uh, so and and it it really is cool because like we, if we look at the current uh, drivers, they're probably thinking, oh, can I beat? Uh, I don't know, Michael Schumacher uh, in have scoring as many titles as possible. But this guy, yeah. he really enjoyed life um, yeah. and, and still enjoys life, life I hope, uh, to the fullest in the sense that, okay, he thought, okay, well, I want this, I want this, I want to try something else. You know, I perhaps yeah. want to try my own team. I perhaps want to try, uh, try making, you know, a Brazilian, like the, the top Brazilian Formula yeah. One car. So he basically was just uh, living his dream, um, you know, and and uh, and that's uh, uh, 
you have, I mean, this is really a brave thing to do and um, definitely uh, a characteristic of, of, of Emerson Fittipaldi, right? So exactly not not just waiting uh, for for the same thing to happen again but to try new things yeah and i mean the car looked uh, pretty cool to be honest unfortunately it wasn't that uh, fast as it looks and uh of, you may say the 1970s uh, it was a, maybe still a little bit easier to start uh, your own uh, team as let's say in comparison to 2021 we have all the established teams and the team these are not the teams we are practically speaking about uh, business companies with hundreds of uh, employees so it's not like uh, you uh, can uh, build up start up your team uh, with the with 15 uh, employees and uh, expect uh, to be successful on the track so Maybe the last time where we saw this, uh, maybe already 10 years ago, was that uh, Ross Braun uh, uh, bought a team and uh, called it uh, Braun Racing and had been very, very successful. I mean, the, the, I think the team only existed one year, but in uh, that team, in that year, got uh, the, the champion title. Yes, that's right. Uh, uh, but I mean, after he kind of left, uh, Left, so he retired officially, I think, in 1980. Yes. Um, but um, yeah, you know, then he went into management. Uh, um, and uh, but, but even after he left Formula yep. One, he was extremely successful at, yes. <laughs> at uh, Indianapolis 500, and also he was very successful at Kart. Uh, so, you know, really, I mean, he won uh, everything there is <laughs> in racing. <laughs> exactly. Probably the car Paris is the thing that he didn't yeah. try. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So here we just uh, see, uh, only see if you're on YouTube, uh, the statistics, the cars he drove in his uh, 10 years of uh, Formula One with the championship in 72 with the Lotus 72D and later for McLaren in 1974 with the McLaren M23. So really very successful uh, until he switched to, uh, to the Fittipaldi team. Yeah, and actually when uh, he was talking about this year's and Fittipaldi team, he was always saying that, you know, this was very difficult for him because he was so involved. Uh, you know, yes. like it's, it's a, I think he didn't realize that it's a very difficult position to be yeah. co-owner of the team because you have to be very, very involved in the problems of the, so not just, yeah. you know, you have to drive, like when you have to drive, then you just have to drive. That's all you have to do. And uh, he did it very well. But when yeah. you are so involved into, you know, finding sponsorships and also supporting your family, you know, yeah. it, it's, um, uh, there are too many pressures there and it's, uh, surprising that he scored any points to be honest because it's just uh, uh, it was a very very stressful uh, position uh, to to, mm -hmm. to have this new team and uh, take it off the ground so um yeah so it just didn't happen for him so i guess but i mean he made uh, his mark in other in other motor racing <laughs> yeah 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 Although no, I do, I do quite like the style of this Fittipaldi automotive. 
Yeah. So it's nice yellow, very bright, uh, yeah. very Brazilian. <laughs> exactly, very Brazilian. You have uh, the yellow, you have the Brazilian sponsors uh, like uh, Copa Sur, uh, who had been a local uh, company, uh, I think, producing uh, sugar and alcohol. Uh, you had uh, later on, uh, you have Skoll, <coughs> one of the uh, Brazilian uh, beer company so we really uh, had uh, this uh, as a national team similar as we had uh, Wonderwall uh, in uh, in the beginning of of, uh, of Formula One as a, the the one hundred percent British team so he had this vision uh, and I mean he even had people uh, involved uh, like uh, driver Keke Rosberg who was of course young but later became became a champion and he had designers like Harvey Postelwaite and Ardie Nui. So uh, a lot of uh, good people started their career with uh, Fittipaldi Automotive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of influencers, we also need to mention Ayrton Senna, uh, on whom I think yep. uh, Emerson Fittipaldi first, uh, I think he was an example, then he was a yes, friend. And of course, uh, until uh, Ayrton Senna died, uh, they were very close friends. And uh, yeah. um, Emerson Fittipaldi, even when uh, um, Ayrton Senna uh, yeah, died, tragically died in his accident, mm -hmm. uh, basically in May 1994, uh, Emerson Fittipaldi didn't show up to some of the um, Indianapolis uh, events, so some training, but he was a pallbearer at the funeral of Ayrton Senna, so the, they stayed uh, pretty close, and uh, he made uh, really, uh, he, he made uh, his mark and his influence on many, many people, and uh, these are just yes. uh, two really great people, you know, Keke Ros Rosberg and uh, Ayrton Senna, but there were others and, uh, you know, he was a very influential figure in the sport uh, uh, yeah. and, and it still remains so, yeah. Yes, right. He still remains being uh, very uh, influenced. And uh, so we see here uh, the team, out, uh, Fittipaldi Automotive, uh, had been active from 75 to 82, so seven, uh, eight years, sorry. And so... Mm -hmm. Besides uh, uh, the color, besides uh, Brazilian sponsors, he also had a focus uh, to support uh, Brazilian uh, drivers. I mean, uh, in the first one, uh, the first year they used, uh, the, they had uh, Arturo Messario as an experienced uh, driver, uh, besides Wilson Fittipaldi, so the Italian one coming from uh, Ferrari. But besides this, uh, they had a lot of uh, Brazilian drivers as uh, Ingo Hoffmann, who's not German, but Brazilian, uh, Alex Ribeiro and uh, Chico Serra. So they tried uh, to support uh, local talents. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, at least for the Formula One years. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, the, he was also, like we said before, he was very, very successful at cards. So he was a champion mm -hmm. of cards. And also was a champion in the Indianapolis twice. So that's uh, like 89 and 93. And uh, yeah, so he had an absolutely amazing career because pretty much everything that he took on, he won. 
Uh, yeah, so I guess uh, the only his only life failure was uh, that he couldn't really manage his own uh, Formula One team. But uh, but then you know this is a very expensive uh, sport, and yeah, depends on a lot of different things. Um, but it's it's great to have him with us, and you know yes. it's. Uh, uh, it's cool that we have this character. I also want to mention that, um, you know, despite being this, in, in, you know, really cool driver and uh, very successful driver across several motorsport, uh, motorsport events uh, and the types of racing, he also, uh, <laughs> when he com- kind of completely retired, he thought, oh, you know, why don't I try... Uh, blogging and uh, he was really yeah. involved in social media and even yeah. became very active in on motorsport.com he was a co-owner um i don't know if he still remains a co-owner of this uh, web resource um he also wrote a regular column for um mclaren team and i uh, have to say mm-hmm. when i started kind of following mclaren uh, uh, properly, I uh, actually read his uh, column a lot. So it was uh, uh, a little, a little bit like seeing Nikki Lauda on German TV talking about <laughs> talking talking about Formula One. It's it's kind of the same, you know. You you would see the regular column from Emerson Fittipaldi in McLaren team. Uh, exactly, and he is still uh, very active on uh, social media and. Uh, we will come to this also uh, later, so you can follow him on the various uh, platforms. Uh, I was thinking you wanted to mention that his life uh, failure uh, would be uh, not drinking milk after winning the Indianapolis 500, <laughs> but instead uh, he completely broke with the US uh, tradition and uh, drank a glass of orange juice. Uh, this, as at that time, he or maybe he still is uh, owner of an orange uh, uh, plantage uh, in uh, Brazil, and he mm-hmm. wanted to prom- uh, promote Brazilian oranges in the U.S. Uh, something which maybe backfired a little bit as the fans of U.S. motorsports, uh, especially as uh, Indianapolis, uh, it's a quite in a dairy area of the U.S. Uh, didn't perceive this as uh, very positively. So there had been uh, some negative uh, reactions in the coming races, uh, but okay, he came over. But again, ag- uh, but again you know, this, uh, this again shows the character. He's like, okay, well, you know, everyone did this. Why don't I try something else? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and this, is, uh, this is really cool uh, feature of the character because many people, they live uh, all their lives uh, doing exactly the same thing, right? So it's like constant groundhog day because our brains are kind of wired <laughs> yeah. in that way. So we yeah. try to do the most risk-averse uh thing and and that's why very few people actually change their life but um emerson fittipaldi is the kind of person that can change his life really quickly and make this you know make decisions and and he's not afraid to try i think um in terms of um yeah so 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 in, in in terms of character um he probably well um I can't really probably compare him to um, 
uh, any of the Formula One drivers, but um, yeah, um, maybe um, maybe I can compare him to Elon Musk. I think this is <laughs> this is like the best. Uh, the best uh, type of comparison because you know Elon Musk also like he's not afraid of doing stuff like he's not afraid of trying something new and sometimes he can do completely stupid stuff right but um he kind of is not afraid of making a mistake that this is it so he's not afraid of making mistakes and this is like really yeah. really valuable yeah, maybe, uh, of course, they're complete different characters. Maybe uh, I, you may think of Kimi Raikkonen, who, who stopped Formula One because he wanted to do rally sports and then drove truck racing or, or whatever before mm -hmm. he returned again. And this didn't really seem uh, to care if something, what people tell, thinking about him, just doing what he think uh, he wants to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is obviously the McLaren years, as you can yes. see, there is Daniel Hume uh, inside the car and Emerson Fittipaldi right beside him. I, I really love this, absolutely love this picture. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And uh, he, uh, so, so he's uh, just, uh, you can see that he's very happy <laughs> to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so say, let's see what uh, Emerson was saying over the time. The racing driver's mind has to have the ability to have amazing anticipation, coordination and reflex. Because of the speed, the car goes. Mm -hmm. I think quite common sense as a driver, you, it's difficult to predict uh, every part of the race. So you have to you have the ability to adapt uh, something uh, which uh, not only applies for the driver, but of course uh, helps you uh, in the management position. So the being the team principal, as uh, the role that Fittipaldi also had uh, sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. Next one. Also, I'm uh, very religious. Uh, it gave me peace of mind all my uh, career. Uh, so this is something, uh, by the way, which we also saw uh, with Ayrton Senna, he, that he was practically uh, praying uh, before the race. So this is something which uh, helps uh, the, uh, him uh, uh, to uh, have uh, perceived the purpose and maybe also align racing, uh, maybe some similar to a ride as we discussed in an earlier episode. So this was uh, something uh, which was, uh, sorry, uh, still is uh, very important uh, to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to accept the risk as a racing driver. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, we've already uh, talked a lot about it. And uh, yeah. like I said, uh, well, taking this, the, the first seat with Lotus is a bright example of that. So, you know, despite, yes. despite all the fatalities and despite the yes. risk, uh, that was really great. I mean, um, as you know, several prominent drivers died, uh, yes. um, uh, you know, in Lotus cars. Uh, he still thought, okay, well, you know, I'm going to take my chance. And I appreciate that that's risky, but this is what I do. Yeah. This is my job. Exactly. Um, and uh, I wanted to be the best in the world. I mean, 
I mean, this is the approach, uh, uh, which is basic uh, if you want to become champion, because if you don't have 100% the will to do so, I mean, it's you cannot get a Formula One champion just giving 80 or 90%. Okay, uh, a lot more. So you had to decompress the pressure before the race. I sought my heart to relax. I lay down before the race. It gave me more energy just before the race. So he tried something like meditation before uh, the race. So this is his way to cope with the pressure and of course uh, cope uh, with the risk uh, of the race. Yeah, so I mean uh, the second uh, the second uh, quote is uh, again to the re religious uh, uh, side of Emerson Fittipaldi, where he said I was extremely lucky. I had some huge crashes, and yet I'm still there, thanks to God. Exactly, um, and I mean as we saw, uh, surviving uh, uh, depends, of course, uh, on yourself, but unfortunately uh, also on luck or uh, missing uh, luck. Uh, as as you know, as uh, many accidents have been caused uh, by technical failures of cars. Yeah, but that's also yes. a very interdependent system, right? So, yes. like yes. one uh, uh, one person can cause a lot of uh, a lot of trouble. And uh, this, the 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 final uh, quote on this page, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, um, is about, of course, the odds of surviving, where he says that, you know, when I began to drive in 1970s, the odds of surviving was seven to one. Incredible high, incredibly high risk. The odds of uh, surviving now are like uh, 800 to one. So he basically, yeah, just uh, um, uh, acknowledged uh, that it became... Yeah. Uh, safer to survive but we also have to appreciate that uh, even though currently it's relatively safe it is it is still there is still a, a low but still a chance that you're yeah. not going to survive so and and that's part of the job yeah that's correct so next one and this one is about uh, colin chapman he was the computer i would have a dinner with him if the car wasn't handling well on the friday and would explain to him what it was doing at different parts of the track. He would go back to the garage and call the mechanics. And by Saturday morning, the car would be fantastic. Only uh, Colin Chapman could do this. Of all the engineers I worked with, all the team managers, Colin was a genius who had the institution to do it. Yeah, so we... Yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah, so we, we already discussed... Uh, uh, Colin Chapman separately again we have a separate episode and yeah so there we, we actually uh, talked about that he was a really genius uh, person uh, but nevertheless you know had this really uh, kind of flexible uh, ethical uh, um, sort of convictions uh, if I may say so, um, so which which doesn't mean that he, you know, it, it's it's not a good or bad. It's just so, right? So he he just um, he 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 was extremely ambitious and yeah, very um, imaginative engineer. And uh, uh, yeah, for that reason, Lotus team was absolutely brilliant in 1960s and 70s, at the end of 1960s and 19, uh, beginning of 1970s. 
And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's also uh, this uh, quote also showcases uh, how the drivers were really a sensor at the time. Yeah, that's that's uh, correct. Everything happened very quickly in my career. It was a very great honor for me to break Jim Clark's record as the youngest uh, champion. What we discussed, uh, Fittipaldi entered uh, very young Formula One and. Uh, uh, very and I already in a very young age uh, became in a responsible position also uh, maybe due to the uh, fatal accident by Jochen Rind to be the number one driver and uh, he uh, took uh, this responsibility and had success with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so he also said that I was extremely aggressive from the start, but that's, uh, that's I think, uh, normal, um, you know, uh, it's it's abs uh, absolutely normal for uh, a racing driver. You have yes. to you have to have certain degree of aggression because of, yes. otherwise you will not be able to do this job. Correct. And uh, the last quote uh, you may see in relation. Uh, this was Jackie Stewart speaking about Emerson. I prefer to to see the devil in the rear uh, viewer than Emerson. So. Even if the two, I think, had been uh, good friends, uh, he had quite some uh, respect or fear of being near Emerson on the racetrack. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, he was, a, yeah, he was a very uh, capable competitor and uh, obviously, you yeah. know, and very aggressive. Yeah, so we were, like we said before, so because he was quite aggressive, it's probably not, he wasn't always very safe to race uh, beside him. Yeah. Um, and uh, with this, uh, we are discussing uh, a little bit uh, his uh, legacy, which is very relevant, as we already mentioned in here and there. So first of all, as uh, for many famous uh, racing drivers, uh, there is a documentary uh, it's already it was already done in uh, 1973 a brazilian uh, production of fabuloso fittipaldi or the fabulous uh, fittipaldi um, it was done by local director roberto farias and written by himself uh, together with hector babeneco uh, besides uh, emerson fittipaldi there you can see different other drivers like jackie stewart uh, ronnie peterson and of course uh, his uh, family members. I looked if it's uh, somewhere uh, on uh, streaming. Uh, unfortunately not. Uh, I think you can uh, maybe pay for it on um, Amazon or on YouTube. I'm not completely sure, but it's not included into the portfolios of Netflix or Amazon right at the moment. Yeah, so, um, but uh, I mean, I would uh, highly recommend uh, to find this film because not only you can see Emerson Fittipaldi and Jackie Stewart, there is also a quite a rare, um, um, quite a rare image of Ronnie Peterson. And we, yeah. we, we talked about this driver and uh, it's not easy to find uh, uh, footage of, of, of him. And this is, this film is very good for that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you see it, uh, I think it uh, would be great also, I mean, as you see here, uh, how Formula One was uh, in the 1970s or something completely different in comparison to today. That's right. Yeah. 
Speedway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have actually, uh, yeah, the Speedway, the Emerson Vittipal, the Speedway. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you actually can see the track. Um, yes, in fact, it's not uh, a complete separate uh, racetrack. It's uh, a design inside the Autodromo Internacional Nelson uh, Piquet. It's, so it's part of the racetrack in uh, Rio de Janeiro. And uh, this part of the racetrack is designed like a typical, well, not, not like a typical, but like a US uh, oval, like you would have, you, you have here in the US in the card series. So, uh, so here the races, the Rio 200, uh, as it was, uh, it's called now, uh, originally it started as uh, Rio 400. So it, they shortened it a little bit or practically in half. Uh, so here uh, it's, it's a showcase of the US series uh, driving in uh, Brazil. And due to this, if we see uh, some of the winners uh, from 96 to 2000, these are the, uh, the stars from the US series like Andre Ribeiro, Paul Tracy, Greg Moore, Juan Pablo Montoya, or Adrian Fernandez. Fernandez. Mm -hmm. And a very interesting project uh, is this car, the Fittipaldi EF7. It's uh, designed as a mid-engine sports car that was planned uh, to reach production uh, in spring 2018. Unfortunately, uh, at that time, uh, the country was in the middle of the Lava Jato case, so the big uh, corruption case uh, where the company Odebrecht Right, uh, governments practically all over Latin America. We had uh, various presidents going to prison, including in Brazil. So, and uh, aligned to this, uh, also the sorry, the country fell into an economic crisis, uh, meaning uh, the company was lacking uh, of budgets to really bring this car into production because there not had been enough people with the money buying it car. Um, interesting, the EF7 uh, was first presented uh, only as a virtual version, uh, as a car inside Gran Turismo Sport, uh, which uh, you may know from uh, the PlayStation. And only after this, uh, Emerson Fittipaldi announced uh, that he wants to start a limited production of 39 uh, units. 39, because um, uh, it was the number of the victories he had in IndyCar and Formula One uh, together. If you're interested, uh, check out uh, the company's uh, web uh, page. But honestly, I do not know how is the status here, if they really still plan to produce the car or not. So if you think you have the budget, uh, go to the website and uh, sent them an email. Emerson uh, himself resumed uh, this project as a champion's dream, German engineering uh, paired together with Italian design. Mm -hmm. So if you go to the website, you can see also more uh, detailed information, which uh, engineering companies are involved and uh, who designed uh, this pretty nice yellow car. Yeah, it looks very cute.
Yep. Is this, uh, we come to the Fittipaldi dynasty, as we discussed already, uh, the parents had been active uh, in uh, racing, racing, including organizing of racing like the Mil Miljas. Uh, also his brother was uh, driving uh, himself and mm -hmm. had been busy for the management. And, uh, but also the later generations still stayed in uh, contact with racing. Uh, you see, uh, uh, Emerson himself was uh, three times uh, married uh, and the different children also uh, went into racing, at least a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so not only his uh, direct uh, uh, children, but also uh, I think uh, Christian Fittibaldi, if I don't mix it up, has been the son. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christian, uh, who was also in Formula One, uh, he, was, he is the son of his brother, Wilson Fittipaldi. You see, a lot mm -hmm. of, uh, a lot of uh, racers uh, in this uh, dynasty. And this uh, continues uh, also with his uh, youngest uh, son, uh, with uh, Emerson uh, Jr and including uh, uh, so Victoria and we will come to this later. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, uh, he himself, um, so apart from uh, family, I mean, um, I think um, it's important to mention that he sometimes makes uh, surprise returns. <laughs> yeah. So in 2005, I remember he raced uh, this uh, Grand Prix Masters in uh, South Africa, where I think uh, Nigel Mansell came first and he came second. So he kind of <laughs> didn't stop there. And then also, I believe uh, uh, he also raced uh, in 2008 uh, in GT3, Brazilian GT3 uh, championship. And so, yeah, so he basically kind of, uh, not only his family constantly reminds us about the Fittipaldi racing, um, uh, dynasty, but uh, you know, Emerson Fittipaldi himself uh, had uh, quite a recent comebacks uh, in uh, racing. Exactly. So and maybe soon we may have a Fittipaldi uh, again in Formula One, as I think uh, Pietro Fittipaldi, his uh, grandson, uh, had one race uh, last year uh, with Haas and uh, Together with his um, brother Enzo, they started before this year's season in the virtual Grand Prix, and uh, here they uh, gained uh, uh, the championship for the Haas team as they both uh, drove for the virtual Haas team. And I think uh, at least Pietro is part of the Ferrari uh, uh, Drivers Academy. Enzo mm -hmm. was just yeah. active. Yeah, yeah, so both, uh, and I think Pietro was just uh, also uh, participating uh, just some weeks ago at the Indianapolis 500, if I'm uh, correct. So, yeah, so the whole family, like we said before, the whole family is somehow involved. <laughs> in what... Exactly, and, uh, and uh, uh, we will come to this later. Uh, you can uh, follow the adventures of Emerson Jr., on his potential way to Formula One uh, on YouTube.
but before this, uh, let's have a view on uh, Brazilian Formula One drivers. Uh, Emerson was not uh, the first one in Formula One. Uh, the first was uh, Chico Landi, uh, from participating from 51 to 56, uh, and even got uh, gaining 1.5 points. Yet uh, Fritz Dioré in 59 uh, participating in some single events, but then of course Emerson Fittipaldi was the first one becoming uh, famous, the first of the Brazilian uh, uh, Formula One uh, superstars. After directly after Emerson, uh, we had his brother uh, Wilson. We had Carlos Pase, maybe a little bit more. Um, I think he was more uh, successful endurance racing. We had uh, Ingo Hoffmann, uh, Alex uh, Ribeiro, and then the next uh, superstar entering in 78 with Nelson uh, Piquet also becoming a champion. Then after this, Chico Serra, Roberto Moreno, and then of course the most famous of all, Ayrton Senna from 84 to 94. After this, uh, a lot of uh, famous names and uh, with uh, Rubens Barrichello, I mean, uh, world champion, at least for some uh, seconds before uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, still took it away from him. Felipe Massa, Nelson Piquet Jr., Bruno Senna, and uh, as I said, last one, Pietro Fittipaldi uh, in, uh, I think it was only one race for Haas uh, in 2020. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, of course, uh, out of all of them, uh, I, I want to particularly mention Rubens Barrichello, who probably had the longest career. So if you just take uh, 2011 minus uh, 1993, uh, you will get 18 years, but I think it's, it's actually 19 years between uh, 1990, well, inclusive, right, if we take inclusive 1993. Yes. And, and also uh, uh, Felipe Massa had been uh, 15 years in uh, Formula One. Yeah, but I think uh, no one has beaten has beaten Rubens right. Barrichello. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm uh, really looking forward to when we talk about Rubens Barrichello because yeah, also what an amazing career and uh, what a, what a guy, uh, honestly, yes. like really brilliant. So yeah, I mean uh, Brazil uh, in general, as you can see, has given uh, Formula One some of the most amazing uh, drivers. Uh, and uh, certainly all of them uh, deserve to be in the Hall of Fame and uh, absolutely, uh, yeah, absolutely yep. brilliant. Yep. <clears throat> and uh, as last but not least, and uh, you already mentioned it, uh, Emerson Fittibaldi is quite active, active on social media, was pra practically an early uh, uh, adapter. Uh, honestly, here you see his uh, various accounts uh, to be honest, I'm not sure uh, if they are managed really by himself or maybe by his uh, social media manager. I may imagine uh, that it is directly managed by the social manager, uh, as it's uh, quite obvious right at the moment. But anyway, you can follow him on Instagram, on uh, Facebook, on uh, Twitter. And also he has, uh, like us, so we are colleagues, he has his own uh, channel on uh, YouTube. Right at the moment, you can see here the road to uh, Formula One. This is not a documentary uh, about himself, but uh, it's uh, a documentary like a, um, 
like uh, real life uh, where the camera is uh, seeing what his latest son uh, Emerson Jr. is doing. He's now 12 years on, uh, 12 years old and uh, uh, starting racing and with the goal uh, to enter Formula One and become Formula One championship. So uh, especially if you're interested uh, how you enter Formula One uh, today, uh, this is a uh, documentary, uh, but it's a, practically it's a series, and you see can you can see the different episode for free on Amazon's um, YouTube channel. Yeah, it's also very motivational, I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you see, of course, Emerson, uh, who is with his son, uh, trying mm -hmm. to manage his career into Formula One. Yes, that's right. That's right. And uh, yeah, so it's very, very motivational, very positive, uh, but at the same time, kind of shows you what you're getting into if you decide uh, to start <laughs> to start racing. Uh, it's not uh, definitely not a cheap hobby to have, uh, but uh, yeah, and that and requires a lot of time and a lot of dedication. But nevertheless, you know, it's nice to see. And uh, like I said before, um, you know, he was for many years. Uh, a columnist at uh, the McLaren website, and he was also uh, chairman at uh, motorsport.com. Um, so he, he really was a pioneer in uh, kind of social media uh, promotion of uh, the sport. Yep. And uh, yeah, really influential, Rem still remains a very influential figure in Formula One. That's right. Yeah, so we kind of didn't have the the, the legacy slide, but um, I mean, we kind of discussed it uh, throughout. But yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess to me, uh, the, like Emerson Fittipaldi is the person who is not afraid of trying anything, <laughs> and exactly. taking chances. So that's uh, and and uh, I, I absolutely uh, admire people like this who are not afraid to try and not afraid to fail. Uh, this is really valuable skill. And um, uh, you don't find that uh, in, in many people uh, these days. So, Ex yeah. Ex so with and besides this, um, uh, sorry, uh, and besides this, uh, I think uh, thanks to him, uh, uh, I mean, he somehow invited uh, Brazil into uh, into Formula One as he was uh, the first of the uh, successful Brazilian drivers. So even if Brazil is such a big country in, uh, in opposite to uh, Argentina or uh, Mexico, right at the beginning, uh, they not had been uh, participating, they not had uh, drivers. So there hadn't been the big uh, interest in Formula One since the beginning. Uh, in opposite to Argentina and Mexico, maybe also based uh, on uh, politics, as we especially saw in Argentina, the government was uh, actively pushing uh, uh, motorsports uh, to demonstrate the quality of life in the country. And uh, uh, as Brazil had also uh, the various, uh, let's say, dictatorships, it was not as uh, long and as strong as in other uh, Latin countries. So maybe this political pressure to push uh, motorsports, as we of course also saw in uh, before the World War II in Europe, uh, hadn't been missing. And that may explain why it, 
they came a little bit later to the sports in opposite to other countries, but nevertheless, uh, this Emerson Fittipaldi not only uh, he not only motivated others uh, to enter the sports, but also uh, he somehow fueled uh, the passion uh, of the fans, which is uh, still very strong in Brazil, despite that we do not have a Brazilian driver right at the moment. So very, so this is uh, another important part of his legacy, I think. Yeah, and um, so another thing, like like we said before, the Messon Fittipaldi is still around, and um, exactly. Um, so just to, we want to obviously wish him good health and uh, all the best, uh, and to kind of keep uh, keep being active, uh, keep being uh, um, participating in Formula One uh, events. Uh, but also I want to mention that he was born on the 12th of December 1946, which means that this year on the 12th of December he will be 75 years old. So yeah. um, so um, that's uh, quite, a, quite a big date. So hopefully it, uh, by that time we'll be out of this uh, pandemic uh, and uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I hope that there will be something uh, interesting going on uh, at the end of the year, you know, in, in honor of yeah. Emerson Fittipaldi. I, I'm pretty good. much sure, as I know the Brazilian fans, there will be something... Uh, Extraordinary. Will be something <laughs> <A carnival. laughs> the question is what, as uh, as you know, Brazil uh, unfortunately is uh, suffering a lot to do to uh, COVID, so... Uh, I hope there's progress um, until uh, the end of the year to have something big, uh, but I'm sure there will be something. Well, I, I guess that not only Brazil, but uh, Formula One, yeah. uh, you know, as a sport uh, should, uh, should do something. And, uh, you know, hopefully towards uh, the end of the season, we will see some uh, event in, the, in, in honor of Emerson Fittipaldi. Exactly. So I, I think uh, to stay on the safe side, uh, just connect with Emerson on one of the different platform and I'm sure you get all the information what uh, is getting planned. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, um, on that happy note, uh, um, we are all waiting for um, Emerson Fittipaldi's birthday this, uh, this December, but in the meanwhile... Yeah. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed enjoyed this episode, and we hope to see you later on our on our channel. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye.